It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover as we head into another weekend here in the Brainerd Lakes area. Steve Sapaniak is going to drop by. We're going to break down the lacks again, see how the musky fishing has been out there and the pike fishing and bass fishing. And he's also going to talk about some of the alternative things you can do around the lacks outside of fishing that people might enjoy outdoors. Nate Blazing will drop by with SW Guide Service with the uh, latest fishing reports right here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. And Ray Gildow drops by as well. He breaks down some of the lakes north of Gull Lake and the Gull Lake chain up that way, plus a whole lot more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we kick the show off with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby. Oars and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, a new rig, fishing reports, and the perfect dock arrangement for your lakeside living. The gateway to the Cuyuna Lakes area, Oars and Mine, on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we're going to kick the show off this week with our Mille Lacs report. Steve Sapaniak joins us with Predator Guide Service, and Steve always keeping us updated on what's going on out on Mille Lacs. And, uh, you know, here we are back into the heat again, Steve. Uh, and then we're going to probably see some more rain going into the weekend. So I'd imagine that's made things uh, a little tricky out there again. It has, Brian. Things have been challenging again. Whenever you got that extreme heat, it's been uh, somewhat of an up-and-down uh uh, catastrophic coaster ride as far as the fishing bite goes. We're out right now. I'm with a couple brothers, Nick and Matt, doing a little musky fishing. Had some action earlier with a couple decent pike, had some nice follows, and had one big tanker come in and everything. So, you know, it shows once the water temperature drops, it's in the 74, 75 degrees, Brian, instead of 80, 81, the musky action picks up again, which is great. So uh, that's where we're at. Not looking forward to the extreme heat and the rain, but, you know, the way it's been the last two weeks, so you just got to do what Mother Nature gives us. That's the other thing with Malax. You've always told me too. When we get storms and everything, uh, that lake kind of goes psycho all of a sudden. It does. You know, it's one of the few lakes in the in the state that generates its own weather pattern. Lake of the Woods does. You know, Leech Lake, uh, Red Lake does, and Malax Lake does, and so does the Mississippi River. It is what it is. You know, you can sit here all week with thunderheads all around it. Nothing happens. And then the very next day, it's like all hell breaks loose. And, you know, so we're looking at, too, more heat, more rain. It's not going to end five inches last Friday in a three-, four-hour period. That's a lot of water. Yeah, so I imagine the water levels up there are pretty high. They're high. They are, you know, which is nice. And everything's looking a little bit back more to normal, in fact, above normal. Uh, but we could use it, you know. People were complaining about the yards, about the crops, and about the fields, and I dig it. I understand we need the rain, and it didn't hurt the lake any. In fact, it sort of helped because that cooler water temperature, we can, you know, give the credit to the rain for that one. So all in all, it did help out that way. One thing you were actually talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago when we really were in the, the throes of a, a heat spell uh, was a fish die-off out there with Tulabi. Uh, have you seen any of that yet? Steve, or is that something that hasn't materialized at this point? Uh, that's a great question, Brian. Uh, last week, a little over a week ago, we saw dead tulipy all over the place. Was it what I expected? It was heading that way, and then the water temperatures cooled down a little bit. It sort of stopped it. But, yeah, I, we've seen hundreds and hundreds 
of dead tulipy whitefish out there. We didn't see them by the thousands. You know, like I said, we haven't had a good tulipy die off in 12, 15 years. If it happens, like I said last week, you're going to see some big muskies moving into the shallows you haven't seen all year. But as of lately, haven't seen too many for uh, dead tulipy floating around. Just a couple walleye here and there, and that's about it. So uh, water temperature dropping has helped out a lot that way. So what are you throwing at uh, the muskies right now, Steve? Because like you said, you're kind of trying a little bit of everything, huh? Well, yeah, it's been sort of difficult. You know, and you, the report all over the state for muskie fishing, it's, it's every day is a new pattern. You've got to try to find and establish a pattern, what they're going on. Right now, we've had action on the Poseidon, you know, the 10-inch model, 12-inch model. That's been doing real well. I've got Nick. He's been throwing spinner baits, glide baits, and throwing bucktails. He picked up a nice pike earlier on a gold spinner bait, so that's always been a good thing. But every day is a new day. You know, we usually go by what the previous day had going for us as far as musky fishing, you know, so we know what to start with from what yesterday had. But if every day it's a new day, and like I said earlier, you know, trying to establish a pattern it's, a, it's been challenging to say the least every day are you up shallow we have been up shallow as far as seven feet of water and we've been as deep as 14 15 feet of water fishing we've seen fishing just about every depth which is good that shows that they're starting to get aggressive again and moving as far as action goes it's been a lot of small muskies we've seen i don't think we saw out of the four or five falls we had today i think all of them were under 36 inches except for that big tanker that came in she was well above 50 and i wish we would have got hooks into her so if people want to go out there and target pike steve uh that is one thing that Malax is also known for how do they want to go about that I would definitely go hit the outside edge of the weed beds, Brian, get some spinner baits, let them sink way down there, slow grind them in. That's always been a successful pattern. Black spinner bait with an orange blade has been good. Uh, brown body with gold blades has been real good for pike. That's obviously the walleye pattern. Uh, a gray body with a nickel blade has been good. You know, those have all been decent, decent colors to go with. As far as plastics go, go with small medusas, small bulldogs. The pike love them this time of year. Uh, go with uh, Johnson Silver Minnows. They actually work this time of year rather well, too, as does spoons. A lot of people forget about the uh, the original uh, Daredevil and stuff like that. They have their time and their place, and this is the time and place right now to use them. There you go. Uh, bass fishing, how's that been out there? You know, the largemouth bass has been slow, and the smallmouth bass is just about non-existent. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of scuttlebutt that the bass aren't here like they used to be, or are they moved off, or they're not as plentiful. They're here, folks. They just got educated. Also, look at 80-degree, 81-degree water temperature for two and a half, three weeks. You know, like we said two weeks ago, Brian, you know, it's going to turn any bass off, any fish off, just like humans. You know, we get that extreme heat. No one really gets hungry. They just want to sit back and weather it out and, you know, rain it out, like this, sort of speak, and so does the fish. So you want to get into the weeds for them, too, I would imagine? Uh, well, the largemouth bass, yeah, hit the edge of the weeds, hit the bulrushes, the deep water bulrushes, 8 to 12 feet has been very productive. Jigs and pigs have been doing real well for the largemouth. Now, the smallmouth, we're looking at anywhere from 12, 12 feet to 22, 12 feet to 24 feet has been doing okay. You know, those that are biting. Ned Riggs has been a real good one. Work them slow. Don't work them fast this time of year. Drop shotting has been very effective this time of year. Let it sit for a while. Don't move around. Don't be quick. Just let it sit. Intimidation is the key right now to get these smallmouth uh, to hit, just like the walleyes when you could fish them. Intimidation has been the trick. Sit there with the bobber and a leech. It's going to happen. And are you seeing a lot of boats out there, Steve, or do you pretty much have the lake to yourself? 
you know, that's another good question. We've seen about five, six boats today, and we made two major moves already from the from the very south end over to the west side, and that's all we've seen is about six, seven boats throughout the whole area where we've been fishing. Not a lot of pressure, not a lot of people. So uh, you got if you come up here, folks, you're going to have the lake to yourself, which is nice. You can't beat that. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. Like you said, once the you know they closed the walleyes down back uh, in the first part of July, uh, that kind of shut a lot of things down there. So are the resorts, are they starting to fill up a little bit more with people wanting to get out and maybe even just do some pleasure boating out there, or are they still hurting? You know, uh, I see a few people in these resorts, especially a lot of the friends I know with the resorts and everything, you know, north, south, east, and west. They could use more business. It would help out, no doubt. This is a struggle this time of year without the walleye bite, plus with the warm weather. You know, at least people would rely on the smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, northern pike and muskies. And we all know the extreme heat has sort of hurt that and affected that. But there's so much more to do up here besides fish. There's so much to see. My God, you got uh, the Sioux Line Trail, which goes from the town of Albany, Minnesota, right on the salt end of Lac Lake, all the way to Duluth. I see a lot of people taking advantage of that. They're coming up with their ATVs to the resorts. So take advantage of it. It's just not the great fishing. Have fun with the kids. Hit, hit some of the small lakes for panfish. Do a lot of ATV and, you know, get out and have fun. That's what life's all about. And the way the summer's been going with the COVID and everything, you know, people are sticking to themselves, but they're getting out. Here's the best place to do it. And I know a lot of people that do a lot of biking uh, out around Mille Lacs, too. There's some uh, great bike trails up there. Oh, there is no doubt great, fantastic bike trails. You can go anywhere on TARD. Well, like I said, the Sioux Line Trail, one one side of it is all gravel for the ATVs and everything, and the other side of it, right next to it, is all tar. So you got beautiful paths for with tar and everything to take you anywhere you want. You can take your mountain bike through all the miles and miles of, of Shakopee Park, you know, over by Hennepin Park. You can travel all over with your mountain bikes and have a blast. You can even get on the ATV areas, the Red Rock over there just uh, east of Isle, and do your mountain bikes and have a blast. So, yeah. Anywhere you go and every place you go, you've got some kind of entertainment, and why not take advantage of it? For sure. That's Steve Spaniak out on Mille Lacs. He's with Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. Steve, I appreciate the info as always. Good luck out on the water. Stay safe. Stay healthy, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio, just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon. Nate Blazing joins us with S&W Guide Service, and Nate always keeps a very close eye on what's going on here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. And uh, Nate, topsy-turvy weather We've been kind of ducking in and out of uh, high temps and low temps and storms and everything else. I'd imagine that's kind of taken a toll on fishing a little bit. It sure has. It has been, um, I don't know if I want to say a struggle, but it's been very challenging. And again, back to that inconsistency, um, I would say, you know, after we got that big storm last Tuesday, ever since then, it has just been a bugger. Um, not to say you can't get fish, but you really, really have to work for them, and the amount of fish that you can sit on, um, it definitely affected their mood. So you're still picking up some here or there, but overall, you know, we've 
been on several lakes in the area, and uh, usually you try enough spots, enough different tactics, and so forth, you'll figure something out. But <laughs> it kind of came to the same conclusion as fish are fish, and you can't make them bite if they're not uh, real hungry or aggressive. And that overall, I would say, has been kind of where we're, we're stuck at. Although each day as we progress past that, it's gotten a little bit of, a little bit better each day by day. So there's hope going forward, and I'm hoping, you know, if that weather steadies itself out, we'll, we'll get back to the normal swing of things in general. What do those storms do to fish, uh, Nate? Because I, I've heard stories a lot of times with people, especially out on the lax, I, uh, when I talk to people, you know, when they get storms out there, it just seems like it shuts the fishing down. What does that do to fish? That's a good question. I've, I've been racking my brain about that, actually. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if it necessarily... I don't think it increases the water level. That's necessarily what does it. But I just think, you know, especially I've seen it with, with thunder and lightning. If you get lightning, that seems to affect the fish quite a bit. Um, the main comparison, I think that was three, four years ago up here when we had, you know, close to 10 inches in a matter of two days. We were on some pretty hot fishing for a couple of weeks. And as soon as that happened, that just completely changed the fish location. And then when we could find them, they wouldn't bite, and that took us almost, I'd say, two and a half to three weeks before we got back to a somewhat more normal bite. So, uh, you know, if, if people have any clue of what exactly that's doing to them, I would be interested, too, because it, it definitely has affected them. We've sat on some really nice pots of, of walleyes, especially, that are actually fresh fish we haven't been pressuring, and you can sit there and once in a while, you'd get one that would, I think, you probably irk it enough that it would go and hit your red tail, and they would pop it and then completely drop it. So not even a chance to set the hook. It was more or less to kill the minnow, it seemed like. So I don't know, Brian. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what other theories are on it, but it definitely has affected the mood of fish overall. And, you know, for walleyes, I'd say it's a little more common that, you know, the, the bite can turn on and off a little quicker. The odd thing is what it did to the bass and the pike fishing as well, because that's usually a little more consistent and less affected by the weather. But um, up until the last couple of days, the bass and the pike bite completely shut down as well, and now that's starting to get going pretty good. Um, two days ago to the point on whitefish, we had to move off a couple of spots because the, the pike finally started biting very aggressive, and, and a couple of spots were full of them, and we were looking for walleye, so... It was just nice to bend the rod more consistently again, but uh, it, overall, I have no idea what it does to the fish's mentality. That's one of the things on whitefish I've noticed. Uh, you you do run into a few pike up there, it seems like. Yeah, it's, it's kind of notorious for that, no matter where you go. Um, and I think that was one of the lakes, primarily speaking, that with the new regulations here they implemented, I think it was two or three years ago, um, where you have to release all pike between 22 and 26 inches. They wanted you to harvest more of those smaller fish. You could take, I think, it's up to 10 under that 22-inch range to get some more, weed some of the smaller ones out, and then grow some more trophy-sized fish. And I would say we're, we're seeing better numbers of bigger fish. Um, still not, you know, the numbers of trophies. There's some really big pike in there, but um, that middle range seems to be growing a little bit and less of the really small 18, 19 inches, uh, a lot of slot fish. So we'll see here in, you know, a couple of years uh, how that works. But I think we're seeing a little bit of the beginning of it that is starting to do what they were hoping. But um, 
those real small pike, the problem is not a lot of people do keep those because unless you want to pickle them, once you get the Y bones out, there's not a whole lot of meat left on those real, you know, the 18, 19 inches. 20, 21, you can get some meat off of them, but much smaller than that is pretty challenging. And see, for me, I, I loved pickled northern. Um, I, my great-grandmother's recipe I ended up with, <laughs> believe it or not. And it, it's a, and, um, I love pickling northern. And for those that maybe want to target those, Nate, do they want to get right into the weeds right there? Well, again, it's the smaller fish seem to be kind of everywhere, whether you're actually pitching right up in the shallow, shallow weeds, or we've been getting them again, mainly doing lindy rigging on the outside edge. So I'd say that 14 to 20 feet of water. Um, and then once you do drop down to that 25 to 30 foot seems to be where we're getting our, our bigger, bigger pipe that aren't necessarily the ones you're looking for, for pickling. But, uh, so you kind of have your choice. Um, if you want the most action, I'd say stay shallow right in the weeds of the weed edge. If you're looking for a bigger pipe, you know, for a good fight or what have you, then get off into that deeper, cooler water for the most part. So there you go there. Anything on the crappie front, uh, people want to target them or, or maybe some sunfish or something like that. Uh, what are you hearing there? Yeah, I'd say the crappie bite, I haven't chased those since I think it was last week. So I'm still guessing they're same thing on the outside edge of the weeds, a little deeper. Uh, the one thing that is shining bright right now is your big sunfish bluegill bite. Um, they're showing up quite a few different places, you know, right up in the weeds and on the outside edge. It seems like those bigger ones are, again, a little more on the outside edge, but this is the time of the year. There's usually a two, three-week window where you can get them even walleye fishing. We've caught them on red tails before, but um, if you're targeting them, a lot of guys are getting some really nice panfish right now, so that might be, you know, if you're looking for some action and a, a guaranteed meal, Go look for some of those things, but again, be kind of selective. Don't keep a whole lot of the real big ones. Those those are the genetics they're trying to keep, but uh, pretty good action, I'd say. That's the most consistent bite going on right now. Tactic-wise, what would you want to do? Again, I, I keep it simple, uh, along with my clients. So when we do that, a lot of times you get kids, so we just put a, a bobber that's down, you know, five, six, seven feet in a little foo-foo jig or something like that and a chunk of worm. You can get some unminnows once in a while when we're trying to multi-species with crappies with a crappie minnow, but it seems like a worm or else a little plastic on that if you just pitch the jig and kind of, that's a good search tactic. If you haven't located them yet, just cast out a little jig and a plastic along the outside edge and they'll show themselves whether it's panfish or crappies. And then once you kind of hone in on them, then I like to go back to the bobber and jig and just keep it simple. And, you know, back to being a little kid, everyone has fun watching the bobber go down. And you get one of those big sunfish on, they do the circles, and that's a good fight no matter what kind of gear you're using. No doubt about that. Uh, let's switch gears for a second, Nate. You had a conversation with Senator Rood um, going into the possibility of having a four-limit walleye uh, where people can keep four. Um, how's that going right now, that conversation? Yeah, so if you remember this last session, we'd made, well, we'd, we had quite a bit of work into it, and we actually had some language written up, a, a proposed bill that we were set to actually hear and testify in the Senate, and we were getting some pretty good momentum, and then the whole COVID thing hit, and uh, the session, as everyone knows, it changed, and you know, a lot of the legislation, if it wasn't directly related to COVID stuff, kind of got pushed to the side, and rightfully so, so... This last Tuesday, um, met with uh, Senator Root again and kind of just seeing 
how she felt on it, where things sat, if we wanted to make another, you know, run at it here this next session. And uh, I got to say, I was pretty happy to hear that Senator Rood was very supportive of it. And uh, so we're going to start getting our ducks in a row again and making that hard push for the next session, which, you know, they're in special session right now. So we're literally looking a year out. Um, There's some complications with uh, the upcoming election. So that is hoping that Senator Root gets elected back because she's up for re-election. So if she gets elected back again, we'll kind of pick up where we left off. But um, it sounds like, you know, she's had discussions with several different people from resort associations and so forth. And more of the background this year than we talked about before is so many more people are fishing this year. Um, You got that increased pressure since Canada is closed. You have that many more people from out of state coming to Minnesota you team that up with the lack of the DNR being able to collect eggs and their stocking efforts this year, I think it only goes to show those two reasons even more so of why we got to try and get this done. So um, we'll be more vocal and looking for responses or input from people. And if people want to help, you know, support that, uh, you can always contact myself or Senator Rude. And hopefully next session, you know, we'll be in a place where, we can actually get that in front of the committees and have the discussion. And um, I got to say the vast majority of people still that we've heard from, I'd say greater than 95% have been very supportive of it. Want to get it done. It's just actually getting in, in front of the legislature and having that discussion. So there's a lot of work to do, but we're pretty hopeful and think it really needs to get done and it'll make an impact on the fishing around here. No doubt about that. Um, and speaking of the Walleye Alliance, who you are, are with, Nate, um, you've got your fall tournament coming up too, and you want to meet, make people aware of that as well. Right, yep. Uh, so we've got it scheduled right now for uh, September 27th, which is, again, a Sunday. And it's usually you start at 7, 7.30, and you're done about 4 o'clock. It's up on Pelican Lake, up by Breezy Point. And, uh, you know, we will be getting some information up on our website here soon. We're hoping to do that. But at the same time, we got some corporate sponsorship that's going to help increase the prize purse. So we're actually meeting on Wednesday to update that. And once we get that information up there, it'll be ready to go and you can register. And with that being said, you know, we're, we're still looking for corporate sponsors. So if anyone has any interest, uh, just let me know, let the Walleye Alliance know. And, to further the, the purpose of this, the proceeds, what we're hoping to do with the proceeds this year is they will go back to stocking. Gull Lake will be the targeted effort this coming year. So, um, again, that money's coming in and most of it's going directly back for stocking efforts. So I think it's a good story and we get a lot of support, but we'd like to see that tournament be a success this year. So if you have any interest in that, keep uh, open eye and I'm sure we'll have some more conversations between then and now, once we get the formal invites out to people and registration. so if people want more information on that, Nate, how can they follow along? Sure. Again, we got a webpage uh, that's www.walleyealliance.com. Otherwise, we've got it on Facebook. Just search Walleye Alliance. And once we get the formal invite, I will make an event on Facebook that will send an invite out to folks, and it'll have all the specifics and date, and then it'll... Also, re- uh, reference our webpage, and you can register right on the webpage too if you want to do it online. That's always a nice option for people. So that'll be all wrapped up here in the next, let's say, week to two weeks. So just uh, kind of keep an eye on that, and we'll get her finalized soon. 
There you go. Nate, if people want more information on you, how can they get it? Sure. You can call the bait shop, talk to Sherry. Uh, phone number up there, SW Bait Shop, is 218-829-7010. Otherwise, you can look me up on Facebook, Nate Blazing, B-L-A-S-I-N-G, or my phone number is 651-592-3857. Nate Blazing, S&W Guide Service, always bringing great information here locally to us uh, for our local report. Nate, I really appreciate it as always. Stay safe, stay healthy, good luck out on the lake, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Brian, and the way the weather looks, stay cool to you as well because it sounds like we're going to get some more heat. Yeah, it's going to be a hot one, so stay cool, buddy. All right, you too. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And once again, our good friend Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League joins us. And uh, Ray, I know you've been out and about doing a lot of fishing here this past weekend and weekend. What can you tell us? Well, it's uh, on the big lakes. Uh, I've been on uh, Leech. Uh, on the big lakes, it's slowed down. Fishing has gotten pretty tough. And it's that time of the year when you're uh, going over fishing, you can see down there that They've got lots to eat. They've got uh, lots of small bait. Uh, the crawdads have hatched out. There's lots of little crawdads for fish. There's just a lot of, of food in the lakes. And it's that time of the year. Water temperature was midweek here. It was about 80 degrees again, which is plenty warm. And uh, it's that time of the year where it's just getting to be a challenge to, to catch walleyes. But it's a great time to start fishing other fish. And specifically, uh uh, panfish, it's a, it's a wonderful time to fish panfish. <clears throat> By the way, when you're running around the lake and you're looking at depths in uh, 12 to 18 to 20 feet of water and you're looking for those walleyes, uh, this is the time of the year they start sneaking up into the weeds, uh, which <clears throat> is a, a little harder to fish there in the vegetation, but that's where a lot of these fish are now. They're in there. That's where the bait fish is at. There's a little bit of cooler water around those uh, weeds, and... Uh, so that's something to think about when you want to change your technique. If you're not looking, uh, if you're looking rather in deep water and you can't find anything, or if you find them and they're not biting, uh, go start going shallow. You should never really be afraid to go shallow. And I know a lot of people this time of the year will take small little spinners with small little crawlers or leeches or even small minnows and just troll across the weed lines, the vegetation, as we like to say. And uh, you, you'll be surprised what you can pull out of there. So uh, it's that time of the year where you got to kind of think about, uh, I would just say it's just the best time of the year for panfish. Uh, big sunnies, big crappies, if you can find them along the weed edges, this is a great time to get out there and start fishing for them because uh, they're so good to eat. They're easy to catch this time of the year, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. <clears throat> and I thought today we'd talk, mix up and talk about a couple things that I uh, haven't talked about in the past. And one is I want to talk a little bit about the chain of lakes on the north side of Upper Gall Lake. And I know a lot of people are familiar with Gall Lake in the, in the Brainerd area, but a lot of people aren't familiar with the lakes that go north of there. And I'm talking about Bass Lake, Spider Lake, Roy Lake, and all the way to the north, Nisswa Lake. And <clears throat> the only way to access these lakes is to put in on the north end of Gall Lake on the public landing, and then you can uh, go up through the narrows uh, to the north, 
All of these lakes are to the north. And then the first lake you're going to run into is Bass. And Bass Lake is um, it's not a deep lake. Uh, the CT disc shows about 10 feet, so it's got some uh, water clarity that's pretty pretty decent. And then from there you're going to go through Bass Lake into Spider Lake. And then in Spider Lake you're going to go into one of the larger of the four, and that's Roy Lake. <clears throat> and Roy Lake is a more of a long finger. It's got a bay. It's got uh, a, a long finger that goes north. And then there's a little narrow from the lake, and that goes into Nisswa Lake, which is really outside of the city of Nisswa. And these are lakes that, you, if you want to get off away from all the boat traffic and get in to do some fishing where there's not quite as much pressure, these are lakes that are, are really worth hitting. And they're all full of bass, fair to good-sized bass, I should say, and they all have northern pike. And I would say the average size of northern pike are small in all of these four lakes. The walleye population, is, I think it's fair to say, is pretty poor. Um, <clears throat> there is some walleyes that sneak up into, into those lakes, but none of them are really known uh, for walleyes. And <clears throat> there are opportunities once in a while. I know every now and then, every summer, uh, guys will pull out a pretty nice northern pike out of one of those lakes also. They're also very good for uh, crappies and sunfish. Roy Lake has, is the clearer of the lakes. It's got sharper breaks, more defined weed lines than the other lakes. Most of the action on these lakes is on the weed line. For bass, look for large clumps of coontail weeds and try the openings between them. And in the summer, work the weedy tops of underwater points, kind of what we talked about a little earlier. Go right over the top of them, get the little spinner baits, put some small baits on, and you'll be surprised you can pull panfish right off the top of those uh, vegetation and, uh, and northern pike as well. Uh, Nisswa Lake is the murkier and shallower than Roy. Uh, with a small boat, you can travel to the lower Cullen through the channel. For early season bass, check out the mouth of the channels. And in the summer, stay on the weed line. Thick weed lines uh, around the entire lake are full of bass and northern pike, and you can also find panfish in those areas, too. Uh, Spider Lake is a good trolling area for northerns. A lot of weedy bays that hold bass, particularly at the north and the south end. Spider Lake is also a major crappie spawning area in the spring. And then crappies move to the larger lakes in the summer. And then back down towards uh, the Upper Gaul, Bass Lake, the thick weed beds of this shallow, murky, muddy lake hold bass, crappies, small northern pike in the spring. And like I said, every now and then you can run across a pretty nice-sized northern pike there, too. And then I thought another thing I'd talk about a little bit today, Brian, is uh, what we call Cisco's or tulipes. Uh, we, we talk about them often as being one of the main forage bases in our area, but a lot of people don't know what they are, and so I thought we could just share a little bit of information with them. And this information I got is from the Minnesota Sea Grant out of Duluth. Uh, they do a lot of research on freshwater fish, and they have really, really good informa information. Uh, the common name is for the tulipy is Cisco, and a Cisco is... Um, a very popular fish, especially Lake Superior, those ciscos are um, very well known as a good eating fish. Uh, they make up a big part of the biomass of uh, Lake Superior, and they make up a nice part of biomass of some of the lakes here in the Brainerd area as well. Uh, Gall Lake has a nice population of cisco or tulipy, as they're also called, uh, which is a primary forage base for walleyes. 
and uh, northern pike, and also for those muskies that have been introduced there. Uh, this cisco is in the family that includes trout, salmon, lake whitefish, and char. And they are called uh, pelagic fish, which means they live offshore and within the water column as opposed to being on the bottom. They feed on zooplankton, insects, and smaller fish, uh, lake trout, burbot, northern pike, walleyes, salmon, and us eat them. We all eat them. Adults typically grow 11 to 15 inches long, but they can get as large as 24 inches long. And adults typically weigh 6 ounces to 2 pounds, with the largest ciscos going to a whopping 5 pounds. They can be long-lived, more than 20 years old. Some of them have been uh, checked that are that old. When the cool fall temperatures creep in, ciscos form large spawning schools in shallow waters. Females disperse their eggs over a very wide area, and the males rush in to fertilize them. The fertilized eggs then fall to the lake floor and develop over the winter. The eggs then hatch near April and May, and the young ciscos venture out to satisfy their hunger for zooplankton. The cisco is a very versatile fish. It can be used fresh, smoked, and frozen. It can be kept for several months when packaged correctly. They can be steamed, fried, broiled, boiled, microwaved, or baked. And the roe are sold as bluefin caviar in Scandinavian countries. Fish cakes made with ciscos are also originated from Scandinavia. Most recipes call for potatoes, eggs, and other ingredients, just in case you're curious. Not only is a cisco a very tasty fish, it's a heart-healthy fish. Ciscos are an excellent source of omega-3 fatty acids, which reduce blood pressure, triglyceride levels, and lower your risk of a heart attack. So they're very, very, very healthy. And the cisco populations are more common from central Minnesota, in our area here, to the north. And <clears throat> that's where we have some of the most pristine cisco lakes yet, where there's not a lot of shoreland development, and these cisco populations are very, very healthy. And we do find the uh, cisco or the tulipy on our big lakes like Mille Lacs, uh, Leech Lake, and uh, Winnie, and Red Lake, too. And uh, they are, as I said, a very, very good forage base. And in the wintertime is when most anglers around the central part of the state would go after them. And they usually fish them with jigs and minnows, and uh, they're very good fish to eat. So there's some uh, little different things that we talked about for uh, Brainerd Outdoors this week. Uh, get a chance, get out there and fish, and uh, watch the weather. We're getting some turbulent weather coming up this week, so keep your eye on the weather. You know, you mentioned you know the, the tulipy and all of the health things, Ray, that you mentioned with them and stuff and how healthy they can be. The problem I have is I can't catch them. I don't know what what it is. I mean, they're they're very finicky bite. Never gone after them. Well, and it, it's it's kind of tricky because you know you find them always suspended. I've noticed, and it's usually in the winter time is when I'll try and catch them. But for some reason, they they are just so finicky. I I just cannot seem to catch them a lot of times. They're very frustrating. As, as you mentioned, they they are not bottom uh, dwellers. You will not find them near the bottom. They're suspended usually in the mid column of the water column. And so as you're fishing them, you can't go deep. You've got to go, you know, if you're 20 feet of water, you'd have to probably go down 10, 12 feet of water to find them. But you're right. They're not, they're not so easy to catch. Uh, the biggest challenge is, first of all, just finding them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and it is amazing to me. Very, very 
Very, very, and you can, you know, if you go to some of the local fish shops, you can buy them smoked, and uh, they're very, very fatty, which is the healthy part of their uh, that fish for your heart conditions because it's a healthy fat. Absolutely, and I've I'm just shocked actually right now at the amount. The first probably five six years I covered the ice fishing extravaganza, you never saw a tulipy on the board. Now it dominates the last probably seven eight years that I've been out there. It's amazing out right. on Gull Lake. You know, we've been really lucky, Brian. In the last five or six years, we have not had any big Cisco kill loss. You know, in our shallower lakes, because you know you take Leech Lake or Malax, and those lakes are considered shallow lakes. Uh, the Walker Bay is not shallow in Leech; that's 120 feet deep or whatever. But you, um, when, when you have water temperatures that have stayed cold enough, uh, that these Ciscos have been able to reproduce and their numbers are coming back, which is very, very good. Which is one of the concerns we have for this year: is if that water temperature keeps going up, we are going to see some big Cisco kill-offs. And uh, that'd be unfortunate because their populations have really come back. Yeah, so that's something we'll watch. That's uh, Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League. You can check him out at raygildow.com, and he is all over social media as well. Ray, I appreciate the great info as always. You always bring it for us each and every week, and uh, we will talk to you next week, buddy, okay? All right, sounds good. Thank you, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And a couple of things we just wanted to clean up. Uh, we talked a lot of fishing on the show this week. I wanted to get into some hunting stuff. Uh, hunting regulations, they are available right now. So hunters, you're all set to plan ahead for the fall. The DNR has released the 2020 Minnesota Hunting and Trapping Regulations Handbook. That's now available on the DNR website. Deer hunters this season will generally see more harvest opportunities Deer hunting regulations and permit area maps are on the DNR hunting page, so you can check that out on the website. Hunting licenses go on sale on Saturday, August 1st. You can buy your license at any DNR license agent by telephone or online at the Minnesota DNR website. Uh, Changes due to COVID-19 as part of the ongoing response to the pandemic. The DNR is making adjustments to events, operations, and service, including management of hunting seasons. As of July, the following pandemic-related changes have been made. CWD sample submission for uh, deer hunters is voluntary in areas affected by chronic wasting disease. Although voluntary, hunter participation continues to be critical for tracking disease activity and potential spread. Youth special archery hunts at Camp Ripley and Lake Alexander Park Reserve have been canceled. There is no longer a lottery for the Camp Ripley archery hunt. Permits will go on sale at noon on August 28th and must be purchased by October 2nd. They may be purchased online or wherever hunting and fishing licenses are sold. Further changes may be necessary prior to participating in the fall 2020 hunting season. Hunters should uh, refer to the DNR's COVID-19 response webpage for the latest information. And statewide youth deer season, that does continue. The popular youth deer hunting season continues and will happen statewide October 15th through the 18th. During last year's inaugural statewide youth season, nearly 5,700 young deer hunters harvested a deer, which represents a 77% increase from the previous season when it was limited to fewer areas. 
So just a few notes for hunters uh, coming up here with the deer season this fall, which will be here before you know it. And that's going to wrap up this week's show. Big Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. Stream the show live at todaysbestcountry.com or brainerdoutdoorsradio.com, and we're all over the podcast networks as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.